Achtung, Achtung, hier ist Alex Wright and you are listening to Chat Grabble and Cheat Pops with JB and Chris Dredd. Enjoy it or I come over and kick your ass. guys what's up uh chris and jb here before we get started um sad news to talk about um the wrestling world has lost jay briscoe from ring of honor and loads of other wrestling promotions um so our deepest condolences go out to the pew family and all his friends and family affected by this um yeah really sad man you know yeah, shout out, you know thoughts going out to his kid as well i think it was involved in the uh, crash also so right. sad, sad times. Okay. Um it feels kind of kind of bad to do the big intro. So, you know, let's get to it. Um well, yeah. We'll say it again, you know, welcome to Chat Graph and Cheap Pops. I am JB. You know what? He no deserves hats, it. No... He deserves it. No hats, no trainers. Yeah. Raz Prince. Trust me. Of wrestling podcast, the best Chris in all the wrestling podcasts. Mr. Chris Dredd, how are you, man? I'm good, buddy. I'm fucking. How are you doing? All right. Yeah, good. Really good. Still um, gassed off a Sunday, isn't it? You wanker. It's, it's still good off Sunday. I'm not wearing a Aston shirt today. <laughs> I'm sticking me. with a horseman. Um, um, yeah, man. I- exciting. Great episode coming up, man. I mean, we're yeah. just off the back of a fucking fantastic one. Got this one is going to be yeah. a cracker as well with a fantastic guest. Well, you would have already seen by now. You would have seen our chat with Billy. Um, and the interesting conversation we had about Adam Hopkins, who has now been released from the WWE. So that is the wildest part of the chat, I think. Um, we've got another huge guest on. So and it's another returning guest. Yes, mate. And we're super excited. So, Chris, I say let's get to it. Let's do it, baby. Welcome, everyone, to another very special episode of Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd. I'm here with my man, JB. And today we have another returning guest. And this man I've been extremely excited to have on, haven't we, JB? We've just been couldn't wait to get Brian back on. He oh, it's thrilled. You know, the uh, host of uh, Shut Up and Wrestle podcast. He has recently come off the back of uh co-hosting probably the biggest wrestling podcast in the podcast sphere would you say the jim Cornette experience um oh, I, will, yeah. I will try not to scream solomon grundy at you constantly <laughs> um he is also off the back of being one of the contributors to the recent documentary nine lives of vince mcmahon and this is also the best pro- the best contributor to that the show. best contributor absolutely to that documentary um, and this is partly the reason why I've got him back on. He's also um, a, a prize-winning author. Um, he has written the most recent book was the um, the Real Life Chic book, wasn't it, Brian? That's the most recent one. Yep, Blood and Fire. Blood, Blood and, and Fire. Fire. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, I can't big him up anymore. It is Sorry, Chris. Brian R. Solomon. I am. Um, I call Chris the best Chris in all the wrestling podcasts. Is it? 
is it too much to say you're the best Brian in all of wrestling podcasts? I don't. Well, since I work for the other Brian in wrestling podcasts, I think I think uh, I'm not going to comment on that. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, also, everybody, please check out the last episode of Brian's podcast, which was with the great Brian Laughs, correct? Yeah, episode 50. Actually, a new one just hit today, episode 51 with Carmine right. Despirito. But but episode 50 was with Brian, and we did a double-length two-hour episode. My my shows are usually an hour and, and change. So we, we kind of got to let loose a little bit. It was a lot of fun. It was a it was a fucking slobber knocker. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so Brian, mate, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm I'm actually very, very close to being able to announce my next book. I just I'm just waiting to sign the contract. It's all set. It's like verbally agreed to. It's been pitched, it's been accepted, ready to go. I just don't typically like to say anything publicly until a deal is actually made. That's just me. I mean, since my books are the way they're structured publishing wise is they're always by contract. It's not like I write the book and then I shop it around. So once the deal is made, then I start work on it. So I don't really want to say anything yet in case something jinxes it, but an announcement is coming very, very soon. Hopefully in the next few days, it is going to be a wrestling book. It is going to be a biography it is going to be about someone who's never had a biography done about them. So I'm pretty excited. Wow. I okay. just got a little tingling in my loins for that one as well, because <laughs> Brian writing another wrestling book, we are extremely Let's excited go. for that one. Um, uh, well, you know, we, we will hold no bones right now. We, we have got you on or we, you know, we reached out we to you specifically because you're a man who was entrenched within the WWE, WWF. You um, have first-hand knowledge of the inner workings of the company, how things went on a day-to-day -day basis um, a lot of the time. Also, you're just very knowledgeable about the wrestling business in general. But what can, what can you tell us about what you believe to be going on in WWE right now? I know that is kind of like a... A, a really open question, but you know, we we've we've seen the situation moving so quickly. I mean, we did an interview two days ago where we mentioned the head of communications, and then literally the next day we hear that he's been let go or fired or left. Um, so what the flipping hell is going on in <laughs> WWE right now, Brian? I was sorry to hear that. You know, you're talking about Adam Hopkins. I'm assuming, yeah. He He's a great friend of mine, and he, he was there. A lot of people know this. He was there from the late 90s. So, I mean, he was already there when I was there. He was one of my favorite people to work with. Still, even now, is one of my was one of my favorite people because, you know, in terms of, like, even being gone from the company, we would still work together on media-related things, especially recently with the wrestling news starting up. So I was very sorry to see that. And also another one that I don't know if it's been mentioned too much, but it was another VP of communications, Stephanie uh, Fiandella, who I knew as Stephanie Granada. She'd been with the company since she graduated college, like 18 wow. years ago, 19 years ago. So uh, and, and, and worked her way up to being VP of communications. Apparently the two of them resigned and I don't know how much the res if it was like forced resignation or like, I'm getting the hell out of here because I don't like what's going on resignation. I don't know, but um, it's just, it's unfortunate. I think there's a lot going on over there that we're not going to know about for years to come. This is going to be the kind of thing that they make the documentaries about 
you know, 20 years from now, that kind of stuff is what's happening right now. Um, it, it's, it's much more chaotic than I think they're trying to let on. Like Nick Khan did the interview with Bill Simmons, which I think was real, like he's very good. <laughs> I think it was really like a damage control kind of interview. You know, he's not a member of the family. He's more of just like a normal human being. So they put him out there. But I think there's a lot going on that we don't know about for sure. Should we just say we'll just wait for your book about it? And then <laughs> I, <laughs> 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> a Vince book, right? It's like every time you try to, to tell the final chapter on that, you don't know what's going to happen. Like I know I'm also friends with Abe Reisman who wrote um, the latest biography of Vince McMahon that's coming out very soon called Ringmaster and – Abe has had to like postpone the book, hold the book. It was supposed to come out last year because you just keep having to add more and more. And now it's finally done. And I don't even think it has. It can't. The latest stuff of him coming back to the company is is not in there because there's just it, you, you just can't keep up with it. Um, This is a genuine question, although it might sound a little bit crazy, but. Do you think that Vince has genuinely lost his fucking mind? Do you think he's going he's like ge like genuine question, bro? Like, do you do you think he's actually fucking a little bit senile or something? Because the behavior at the moment is erratic to say the least. Not to mention uh, with respect to the accusations and you know the investigation and all that kind of shit. I mean, is he is he lost the plot? It's possible that, you know, I've I've heard that his health is not the greatest. I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to joke or be flippant about dementia and old age dementia sure. and things like that. A lot of us have had to deal with that in our families. You know how horrible that can be. It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. However, you got to be careful when you talk about stuff like that, because really, at the end of the day, if that really truly was an issue, they could have him removed. I mean, they could have him, uh, you know, deemed unfit and that kind of thing. So I don't think it's as bad as that. I, I do think, you know, there's a lot of impulsiveness. I think part of it is spitefulness. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, well, if I can't have it, nobody can have it. I'm going to just blow it up or, um, oh, it's doing better without me. Um, okay, well, I guess I'm going to come back and kick everybody out. Like that, you know, uh, there's some of that going on. I mean, you hear a lot of corporate speak of, well, we're looking out what's what's best for the stockholders and we want to maximize value for the shareholders and all that. And, it, you know, Vince McMahon has never been known to be somebody to look out for the interests of anybody other than Vince McMahon. So you could take that, with a grain of salt. It's gotten him as far as it's gotten him, though, so who could argue with it? But, like, you know, one of these things that drives me nuts is, like, when you hear the Nick Khan interview, one thing that he said, and you're talking about erratic behavior, he said, well, when, when Vince put out that tweet, I'm 77 years old, I'm getting old or whatever, it's time to say goodbye, it's been great, I'm going to resign. And then Nick Khan said something like, well, if you believe that that was true, then obviously you don't know Vince very well. And if you knew him, you knew that wasn't going to be permanent. So it's like, okay, dude. So what you're basically saying is don't believe anything that we say because it's nonsense and bullshit and we're going to do whatever we want. Like it, it was that mentality. It was just a little bit frustrating and infuriating, honestly. So essentially carny stuff. Yeah, which I'm surprised because he's not from the wrestling world, but I guess he's caught on pretty quickly. Mate, you know, it, 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 he has been rubbing up against the carny types in the wrestling business and he, he's got to uh, have affected him somewhat. Um, 
I mean, we we had a guest on this week. Um, I mean, we, uh, the, our guests that we have on are all, you, with yourself and our last guest are almost like polar opposites in in characters. Um, we just recently had on Billy Barty. Have you heard of Billy Barty? He um, the only Billy Barty I know is like a dwarf actor. Uh, here in America, in the in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, like a very famous dwarf actor, Billy Barty. Yeah, um, that's B- the only Billy one. Barty, he, he, um, <laughs> he, he's on uh, Keeping It 100 with uh, Disco Inferno and um, oh, now I feel terrible now. And Conan, I, I, <laughs> no, no, it's cool, Matt. It's cool, but Billy, Billy's um, uh, uh he's he, the reason why he's well informed, yeah, yeah, he, he's very well okay. informed. Um, basically, he uh in the 90s he was he had the same agent because he was on a reality show in the uk so he had the same agency um that he was working with that a lot of wrestlers had so he made a lot of friends in wwe and basically uh he's he loves wrestling and he's the wrestling informer so he has the dirty sheets podcast and uh he gets a lot of heat online and whatnot so um but basically we had him on and he what he said to us was uh regarding uh vince mcmahon and the uh, the Saudi Arabia uh, leak of, of of what what went on. So he he was saying that what what he thought it was was it may have been leaked purposefully by Vince as like a warning shot across the bow for people who are basically opening class action lawsuits against him. Um, so I mean I don't know what your thoughts on uh, 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 about the the rumored sale to the the saudis or if you think at any point they may buy it or you know what if the leak was done by someone purposefully to take the the viewpoint off of vince kind of shoving his way in or what or was it just a misunderstanding i mean what are your what are your thoughts on the the saudi leak and, and the class actions Maybe a misunderstanding, because I think if it was going to be an intentional leak, I don't know if that would have been the way it would have been done, because, um, you know, the the guy who tweeted it, he was a reporter for DAZN. He seemed to be very convinced and very sure. And apparently he's a reporter that has gotten a lot of things right in the past. But I don't know if he would have been the person that it would have been leaked to. I'm just not sure about that. I think it may have been a situation where he's a fairly well-connected person. He may have had a casual conversation with somebody with some knowledge, like playing a game of telephone. You know, it sort of gets passed along and maybe just something lost in the translation. I do think, I mean, we've heard that they are in the running. They are among the suitors. I do think the attractiveness of that to Vince is they would be the most likely. First of all, they would be the ones to allow him to take it private because they wouldn't be, um, you know, a public corporation. They would be the ones the that would be the most likely to keep him on board. Absolutely. They've kind of shown that they're sort of marks for old WWF, which is weird and unexpected. Yeah. And um, they also, let's be frank, have done things about a million times worse than anything Vince McMahon could dream of. And so they don't give a flying fuck about anything that he's done. And they're going to let him do what he wants because they don't care. I mean, you know. I mean, I'm not going to get into the politics of that. I'm biting my no, tongue really hard. You get but, it, yeah, yeah. But that's a, 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 yeah. So they're the ones that are going to let him probably have the most autonomy. So I think that's attractive to him too. I, I mean, my sorry, man. My my thought was if if the Saudis were to be in the running, the reason one of the main reasons would be that they're the 
probably the only ones that would still give Vince a job after buying it. I think I don't think anyone else would. Right, because I think I would speculate that what he was going to try to do, and I think this is another reason why he's trying to engineer the sale, because he could have just sat back, and I think the company was going to get sold within the next few years anyway. He could have sat back and let it happen. If he did that, though, then he's completely out of the running. He loses all control. Once the company sold, assumingly, he even loses his majority stockholders, majority voting power. So, excuse me, what he's trying to do is say, okay, I'm going to be the one to negotiate the sale myself because then if I do it, I could put all these little perks and little benefits to myself in that other people aren't going to do. So I'm going to insert myself back into the company so I can make a deal and contingent on the deal, whoever buys it is that I maintain well, whatever it is that I get X amount of money, that I maintain X amount of control. And so I think that's going to be part of his, like he's going to look for somebody that's going to allow him to maintain some form of control. And so for a lot of places, that could be a deal breaker. But I think he's going to try it with whomever you know he's negotiating with is going to be, well, look, here's one of the conditions. And if you're Netflix or Disney or Comcast or whatever, then the ball is in your court to say like, well, we're not going to sign if that's what comes along with it or or yes, we'll agree to that. So that's why I say I think the Saudis are the ones that would be the most likely to say yes to that. I'm not saying they'd be the only ones, but they'd be the most likely. I get the feeling that most other companies would give him something like a title only, like a lifetime president or something like that. You know, something like Ted Turner right. got towards the end of his um run like he was just like the president but he wasn't like he wasn't making any decisions was he that's a great point and mentioning ted turner especially because vince has shown that like ted turner is somebody that he in past years had a lot of insecurity about looking at him and seeing him as a threat and and wanting to essentially be him in some way and that kind of thing and he, so Vince knows damn well what happened to Ted Turner, you know, when the when the AOL Time Warner merger happened and he basically got put out to pasture and all of his hopes and dreams. I mean, Ted Turner was somebody who was a larger than life personality in his prime, like Vince. He was someone that was very idiosyncratic, like Vince, self-made man, had built up this empire and this kind of thing. And uh, he was essentially just kind of like sent to the old age home when that happened. And so I think Vince is very conscious of of that fate, you know. Um, I I recently read uh, over. I mean, the the situation is moving so quickly, and we're reading all these kind of on. I say unregulated reports, but you know what I mean, like these these speculations. Um, I read that there was that the, the uh, Triple H and Steph probably would want to block a sale uh, that is going to happen. Within the next couple of years, because they maybe wanted to keep hold of uh, the company for a little bit longer, um, maybe for the next five, 10 years or something. What, what do you think about that? I think, well, I heard those same things. And um, like I said, I think the company was going to get sold one way or the other. It was just going to take a while. It was going to, I don't know about even five, 10 years. I think maybe within the next year or two, it probably would have happened. But I think that. Stephanie and Hunter really wanted to make their mark first. Yeah. They really wanted to get it into the zone they wanted it to be in first. 
this kind of thing takes time. And there were people saying, well, I haven't noticed any change in the company. Oh, well, well, it's still the same, blah, blah, blah. It Those things don't happen overnight. It would have, I was estimating at least a year before you could look back and go, wow, they've really come a long way, like at least a year. At least. So I, I think they were hoping for that. And I think it was very frustrating Again, I haven't been in the room, but just as an outside observer, I think it was very frustrating to them that those options were being taken away from them because there is no way that this is how it was planned out to be because this would be the plan of a lunatic if this is how they planned it out to be. It's just sort of like flying by the seat of your pants. So, you know, we and let's not forget one thing we, we can't forget is the vote of the board of directors was unanimous. It was unanimous saying, no, we don't want Vince coming back. Now, yeah. who's on the board? Triple H is on the board. Stephanie's on the board. Nick Khan is on the board, who's on there on Bill Simmons' show going, yeah, this is great. We all knew this was going to happen, and it's Vince's company, and uh, good for him. Nick Khan voted against Vince returning. So among the obstacles that Vince had to overcome to come back were all those people. He had to figure out a way to get around their power, and he did. Um, so, you know, th they definitely didn't want this to happen. Nobody in that company wanted this to happen. Maybe Kevin Dunn. I'm not saying there was nobody in the company. There were some loyalists, but, I mean, I don't think Nick Khan, Triple H, or Stephanie McMahon wanted this to happen. No way. Well, Vince even said himself, that he was, he took bad, uh, in inverted commas, bad advice by people that were close to him about leaving the company and resigning in the first place. Because obviously they've looked at the situation and they've said, look, like these fucking accusations and, and all the stuff that came out about the, you know, hush money payments, you know, se sexual uh, uh, harassment and all this kind of stuff, you know, the ele the allegations... You know, that's not that's not good, man, to have someone who's the head of your company, whether it's your dad, your father-in-law, or, you know, someone who's been in the company, you know, for however long started it, co-founder, whatever. You know, if they want to put their stamp on it, they would have looked at it and said, look, this is not a good look for us, man. Like, you know, if these things are going to start coming out, then you should really go, man. But I don't know if they probably voiced it in that way, but they probably just said to him, look, just go until this blows over or whatever. Maybe they said it like that. And then, you know, we'll give you a shout when it's all good. But what what do you think? Right. I wouldn't have even honestly at the time and not to be all conspiracy minded, but I wouldn't have no. even been surprised to learn that a lot of that stuff that was being leaked was coming from people on the inside who it was in their best interest that Vince go away. Yeah. And they couldn't get him to go away. I would not be surprised. Look, it's no coincidence that when he first started making noise about wanting to come back in December, that a whole bunch of new things came out all of a sudden. Yep. And it was on the same day as the documentary on Vice TV. And look, I was happy to be a part of it. But I don't think that documentary set the world on fire exactly. I mean, it well, you could probably fit the amount of people that watched it in the Pontiac Silverdome. You know what I mean? So uh, um, it wasn't as much of a bombshell as they thought it was going to be. I thought it was well done and I thought it was great and I thought it had a lot to say. But I don't think it had a huge – I don't think it like turned the world or the industry against him any more than it already was. So, I mean, there was this sense of like 
look, here's what it comes down to at the end of the day in, in terms of I understand that there were probably people that didn't want him to come back. He just did. He just demonstrated how little he cares about any of that. He's just going to do what he wants no matter what. And I don't think those people uh, accounted for that. So the thing about it is um, ideas like accountability, they don't really mean much to somebody like Vince McMahon. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of line to say this because it's never it, it's not being talked about enough. It certainly wasn't talked about in the Nick Khan interview that it was treated as just nothing. I mean, he referred to like Rita Chatterton's rape accusations as an obstacle to the sale that they will get around. I mean, it's one of the most heartless things I've ever heard anybody mm -hmm. say. Yeah. And then he went on to just like, like chit chat with Bill Simmons about the NFL or whatever bullshit. So, I mean. <laughs> that's not being talked about enough. Like what kind of message does this send? I don't think it's any coincidence that Stephanie Fiandella, by the way, the, the VP of communications who resigned, one of her roles within the company was she was the head of an action committee, an internal committee that was there to support female employees of the company, to, to get them together, to share ideas in a male dominated industry, right? To make contacts, to be like a source of support, in light of what has just happened, if I'm her, I'm not saying this was her choice. If I'm her, I'm going, I'm getting the hell out of this place. Like, how can I, with a straight face, head this women's employees organization after, like, this guy is just allowed to do whatever he wants with female employees and any woman that he meets? Like, how can I, with a straight face, how can I look at my kids? Like, I get that. And I don't think that's being talked about enough that this is a look when there's that much smoke, when there's 40 years of smoke, there's fire. Mm -hmm. Do I think he did everything that he's accused of doing? No. Do I think he's done a bunch of the stuff he's accused of doing? Yes. Do I think even if he did one of the things he's accused of doing, he should be gone? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there needs to be more talk of that. And it's just the conversation around this has become so cynical where it's just, I don't even care. I'm just baldly going to say that all we care about is the deal and the money, and we don't care about anything else. I mean, you could think that in here, but to think, to be bold enough to say, I could just say this out loud in an interview and nobody's going to care, that takes some balls. Well, madness. I mean, Jordan, I sp didn't I mention in, in one of our recent episodes when discussing this about Vince McMahon and accountability and he has he been even held accountable to anything that he's been accused of no not really um that my I you can see parallels with the accusations he he has been accused of and his current behavior with regards to literally Fuck everybody else. I'm going to do this and I don't care who it affects or who it hurts or or whatever. Now, to get... It's almost the 80s Vince mindset, isn't it? Yeah, but to, to get serious about it, if, I mean, allegedly, if he has done the things he's accused of regarding, you know, if, for example, the story of the, the woman in the massage parlour, um, things like that. Um, Rita Chatterton is another one as well. There, there has been many a many a story over the years of Vince basically, uh, you know, 
use it, pushing his weight around and, you know, right. being, you know, depraved in that way where he's, he's abusing people ultimately. It's a pattern of behavior. It I is think a pattern of behavior. Down. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm, a, I'm a very forgiving person. I'm not one of these people that I jump on Twitter when somebody does something wrong and I call for their lives to be ruined and to them for them to get fired for their job and all this stuff. I am not one of those people. And I do believe that people make mistakes in life, sometimes even horrible mistakes, and you can come back from it and you deserve the right to rehabilitate yourself and all that. But there's two things. When you've shown no interest in any kind of accountability or rehabilitating yourself, that's a problem. And yeah. two, when it's a pattern throughout your life and career, that's a very different thing from, oh, my God, I really messed up 20 years ago. I deeply regret it. This is haunting me. This is a pattern of behavior. And look, these are my words. These aren't other people's words. I'm going to take the opinion on myself. But, you know. This is like a Donald Trump situation. This is like a Harvey Weinstein situation where you look at, and I'm not saying, you know, uh, what, what Weinstein has done and Trump, you know, those are different territories. But sure. what I'm saying is patterns of behavior over a lifetime, over a career. And that for me carries a lot more weight in saying that this person needs to be held accountable and should not be um in the position that they're in like i said i'm not somebody who piles on to people like there was a thing uh, i'm not we i don't mean to hijack the the talk and we can get back to what you're saying but like with jay, with jay briscoe dying this morning there yeah. was we saw the tweet there was somebody and this just angered me in some for whatever reason it just i caught me in a bad moment and, and there was us. this there yeah, was this we awful yeah. you know who I'm, yeah. yeah there was this awful guy who for people that don't know who he took the moment of jay briscoe's death to basically tear him down about the homophobic things that he said like 20 years ago that he has you know atoned for apologized for made up for and in a very convincing way and it was 20 years ago and honestly, e even if he hadn't, you don't dance on a man's grave on the day that he died and he has children and a wife and all this stuff. You just it's yeah. just in very poor taste. Anyway, I called the guy out for doing this. And then somebody, you know, commented something of like, here's where he works. And they posted a link to like his LinkedIn profile. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. All right. Let's back up here. I am not about wow. to cost someone their livelihood because they're an asshole like that's if that was what i was going to do half the world would be out of work okay <laughs> i'd probably be out of work let's be honest here you know we all live in glass houses i can call them out but there's a limit that that's what i'm trying to say like sure. i'm not one of those people that breaks out the torches at a moment's notice but somebody like a vince mcmahon that's a very different situation we all know where he works now so. Yeah, we know where he works. Yeah. Um, sorry, Brian. You were there for a long time, right? Did you see anything that caught your eye or thought, you know what, that's that's a bit off? Like, you know, in what rough. way? Like any sort of like dodgy behavior, any sort of you know, misogynistic stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, anything you got told about like... things from people. You know, or may I mean, maybe you know, it was all done under the radar, hushed up, and people were literally booted yeah. out at the. You know, but did you, you know... Office gossip is what it is. Yeah, it? office like, gossip and whatnot. But did you hear anything? Or I was there for seven years. And honestly, like, there were some... Like, I was there for the tanning salon incident. I was there. And, you know, there was gossip in the office. And there was, like, a general sense of... I remember at the time, I said this for the documentary, and they didn't use it, this part of it. But there was a general sense of, like, 
embarrassment within the company of like we work for this guy you know like and how do you like i remember having the experience of new people starting with our department right around the time that happened and having to be like yeah this is kind of the company we work for so uh you got to either learn to deal with it or work somewhere else i don't know what to tell you like so you know there was a little bit of that i don't know i was i was never privy to any kind of anything that rises to the level of what we've seen the worst things that which i've talked about before in not maybe not in total detail but like the worst things that i maybe have witnessed or directly heard about from people i trust would be more things of like verbal abuse that kind of thing you know flying off the handle turning into his TV character, which he was known to do, that kind of thing, the wow. things he would say to people, the things he would call people. I would hear things like that, yes. And I do know, I did know from firsthand experience that his relationship with his son Shane was not a healthy one. And I mean, that's my interpretation of the facts that were presented to me. Um, I liked working for Shane. I think Shane is a, is a great guy. Um, but I don't think they had a very healthy father-son relationship. I mean, a, a, a lot of people would say that Vince and Vince Senior didn't really have a great relationship. I um, think there's more of that coming out in recent years. Like Vince Senior was always this mysterious, benevolent figure that people didn't know as much about as they knew about his son. And I think a lot of Vince's um hang-ups and whatever you want to call them neuroses psychoses if you could get him on a on a couch a lot of it stems from that relationship the sense of being rejected by his father the sense of being kept out of the business by his father of being doubted and not wanted and that kind of thing and you know i um i think that that played a big part uh, there's a lot of mystery around why vince senior you know, left his wife, Vicky, and what happened there and what were the circumstances? Why did he come back into Vince's life? And I have interviewed Vince about it here and there, but I think even his, his memory is spotty on it or if he even wants to talk about it, to be honest. So there's something there. I, However, I want to say this. I want to, you know, put a, an asterisk on that. From what I know of wrestling history and of the family history, I think the issues... Sorry, I think the issues between the two of them, whatever there may have been, is less an issue of Vince Sr. being uh, an awful person, although I don't know if he was maybe the greatest dad, but more an issue of the way Vince Jr. took it and interpreted it and, and construed it in his mind than anything else. Whereas I think in the case of Vince and Shane, it's more of an of, of Vince being the cause of this toxic relationship i think that shane is a very different kind of a son i think it's been very important to him to to please his father in 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 more of a a relatable way than any of us would want to please our dads but i think with vince jr's upbringing it was more a sense of like i am gonna prove that son of a bitch wrong like that kind of a thing that he took it on himself to do i think what gets lost in the shuffle is when vince was a very young man and he was first in the business. I don't know how seriously he was taken by everybody. I, I think it was more like, you know, all those stories of the promoter's kids that gets forced on everyone in one way or another. You know, it was kind of that of like, 
And that's one of the reasons why I'm sorry I'm rambling here. Why? No, it's fine. Like he hates being called Vince Jr. He will always point out to you that he is Vincent K. McMahon and his father is Vincent J. McMahon. We were not allowed to call him Vince Jr. ever. And I think that's because for like 12 years in the business before he bought it, everyone called him Jr. That was what his name was, Junior, 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 or Vinny. You could listen to the early TV broadcast. He's calling the shows with Antonino Rocca, who was like his father's headliner back in the day. And all he calls him over and over again is Junior, 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 Junior. And I'm sure that drove him insane. He's somebody with a giant chip on his shoulder, a giant ego. And he has wrought havoc over the past 40 years because he's had unchecked power and zero accountability that's uh that's sort of yeah that rounds it all up doesn't it <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> um if we can shift gears only slightly uh, it's only a slight shift do the khans have any chance of buying wwe i you know do i think if they wanted to get the money together they could with an outside media partner or something i don't know if you know, Shad Khan is going to go like, yeah, here's eight million, eight billion dollars. Like, I, I don't know if that would happen. But, you know, like I said, they would need to have a third party or I mean, it would be most likely with a third party. I just don't think that that's a serious option because part of it is um, I also can't even imagine Vince McMahon going for that. You know, it would be like that to him, like. Selling to Comcast or Disney or the Saudis or Endeavor even who bought the UFC and he's trying to get them to buy WWE for twice as much money. Like that is a big macho victory for him. Selling the company to his main competitor to him would look like a defeat. It would look like I became WCW, especially like what it would take, even though he bought WCW for what, like $3 million, what it would take is an obscene amount of money. I mean, like Ted DiBiase said, there's always price, right? Everyone's got price. the price. Everyone's got a price. If they were able to come up with an obscene amount of money that trumped everyone else's offer, yes, he would go along with it. Yes. I don't think they're willing to do that. I think if even if they were going to make an offer, it would be a typical type of an offer that other places would make. And I think that he would definitely be biased against accepting it based on who they were and the idea that essentially AEW would be swallowing up WWE, which which would be, you know, well, that opens up a whole other can of worms because it who does. knows? Yeah. Who knows how it would play out? I mean, maybe maybe Tony Khan would say okay, it's going to be the other way around. WWE is what I always wanted, and now I own it. So now WWE is going to swallow up AEW. Who knows? But but whatever the case may be, I just can't see him handing it over to them. I think well, you're right with market share and that it might dictate that WWE is the name, the household name. And, it, right. you know, AEW just – you couldn't just change it to AEW and say, well, this is the same product. You know, this is not what people know and what people have tuned in for for decades. It's – I think it'd be mad to even try it, but well, he might want to run them both separately and yeah. do like try to do what the invasion was supposed to be, except much better, you know, yeah. actually keeping them separate and separately run and all that. I mean, 
that would be another. But I mean, that's wild speculation. Is, yeah. I do not see that happening. I definitely don't see that happening. Well, I mean, we we heard from Billy as well a couple of days ago that actually um, Tony Khan actually made a legitimate bid for WWE in around 2017 or 18, possibly. Um, so, I mean, I don't know where he got the information for that from. I don't know if it's researchable, if it, we're able to look at that or try and find out where he got it from. We'll ask him. Um, but that's he, he told us that the other day. Well, I know Tony Khan used to come to some of the Raws, like when they were in, in Florida, like he would show up backstage and, you know, meet everybody. And he was a huge fan and insanely rich. So he was able to like open any door that he wanted, that kind of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he made an offer. It also would make sense that Cody and Kenny Omega and the Bucks and those guys that they would go to him. Because if you remember going from all in, right, and, and the success of all in, they were then looking to like parlay that into an actual company and they needed a money person behind them. So it would have made sense if they said, hey, there's this guy, Tony Khan. He owned, he and his father owned the Jacksonville Jaguars. He wanted to buy WWE. Yeah. Maybe he's your guy. It's almost like on a much smaller scale, the way that, you know, Billy Corgan tried to buy Impact and instead he got completely screwed over and taken for a ride. Yeah. And then Billy Corgan wound up being the guy they approached when they were trying to sell the NWA. Mm. And, and that's how that happened. So, I mean, maybe it was something similar. Who knows? Um, just another, and, and this is kind of veering into the slightly conspiratorial aspects of it, which is it, it, not always good. Jordan knows, I think, <laughs> what I'm going to ask about. Um, would you say that Vince McMahon, in your experience, or the WWE in general, if someone was to come out publicly and make accusations that they feel weren't true would they go down the route of kind of trying to sue that person for libel or stuff like that or would they just kind of see ah oh, they're they're like a pissant let's just leave them this everyone thinks they're crazy anyway what what are your thoughts on that because I, then i want to ask you a following question about something else well i mean it depends on the situation like i think certainly when they were a smaller company they were more interested in that kind of thing. Like Vince sued Rita Chatterton for defamation. He sued, I forget, the show that she was on. I think it might have been Geraldo. Yeah. He sued them. So, But then he dropped the case when he wound up getting stuck in all of his legal troubles. Like he was just like, I don't need this right now. So, I mean, I think it's less likely nowadays just because they're so big. Uh, but it's always it's always possible. It depends on how damaging they see it as. That's really what it comes down to. Okay, so a follow on from that. Around, I want to say, I want to say two thousand and nine ish. It might be it's between two thousand and six and two thousand and nine. Um, when when did Chris Benoit uh die? And oh seven. Oh seven. It was seven. Oh, seven. Right. So it has to be 2009 then. So in 2009, uh, Billy Jack Haynes did a shoot interview with RF Video stating that he had a hypothesis for why Chris Benoit might have killed Nancy and Daniel. And he believed that there was a possibility that Vince McMahon was having an affair with Nancy and that Daniel wasn't actually Chris's son, and he had found out somehow. 
I think have it's did you ever insane. Yeah, it it's, is insane. Well, I mean, aside from everything else, I mean, have you ever had you ever seen Daniel? Did you ever meet Daniel? You know, that no, would be no, the way no. to No, I mean no, I'd seen no, I'd seen photographs of him. Right. Obviously. I mean, I, well, that's all you need is to see a photograph of him to know that he's Chris's son. I mean, it's like, right. you know, it's like it's like they took Chris Benoit and just shrunk him down into a tiny person. You know <laughs> that that's what I mean. That that's insane. I I don't I don't I don't he go really, for that at all. He really went crazy in this interview. He literally, yeah. you know, he was calling Vince Vincent K Vincent Killer McMahon. Um, he was he really honestly, mate. He if you watch even snippets of this interview, he was really going to town on Vince. Um, I ran into him once. Uh, he came backstage to a show like I want to say it was like oh seven or so, right before I left there, and I didn't even know it was him. He was unrecognizable, completely unrecognizable. I think I think he just went off the deep end or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he he says himself that he was a victim of. Um, child sexual abuse um, mm. and and he also heard a lot of stuff going on that Vince was abusive in that way to people so I don't know whether I mean obviously he'd put two and two together and come out with 25 um, with the with regards to obviously Vince being Daniel's real dad or whatever but the way that that interview came across it, if if WWE would have known about it, surely they would. Have, I mean, or maybe they thought, "Fuck it, he's got no money. We can't make any money out of it. Um, so what's the point in suing him?" But, um, you know, it was really insane, and it's something that I've watched multiple times to try and gauge like what the fuck was he trying to do with it. And I think in in the beginning bit of the interview, he talks about a lot about how Vince treated the wrestlers as basically he was the pimp and the wrestlers were like the prostitutes. And basically he kind of, the way he treated them and degraded them and kind of spoke to them and treated them um, and basically knew that a lot of them were addicted to drugs. And then when they were literally on their last legs, he'd kind of fire them and they'd end up dying four months later. Um, you know, so it, it was just more of a question of, not necessarily the the Chris Benoit Nancy Vince thing, but more again of a pattern of behaviour of Vince that other people might have picked up on, and that's why he put two and two together and thought that he might have been involved in covering up something that might have gone on with Chris because he said that you know he's covered up loads of shit, he covered up the snooker thing, he covered up loads of other stuff, so it's a possibility. Which I mean is possible because he's known to cover shit up, right? I think that Vince is one of these people where, and I think Trump is similar in this way too, where they have such a bad reputation and they're known to have done such shady things that people are willing to accuse them of almost anything thinking, oh, people will believe this because of everything else they're accused of. So, I mean, I'm not defending Vince, but it's like one sure. of these things of like, you know, any crackpot can come out and accuse him of something because a lot of people will go, yeah, that sounds like something he would do. It doesn't mean that he did it. Like, you know, there was the case. They didn't even bother bringing this up on the documentary, but with Nails, um, the wrestler Nails. Yes. Who had, this wasn't even mentioned. And that's a documentary that tried to be comprehensive on all of Vince's, you know, debacles, how Nails, Kevin Wackles, I think was his yeah, name. Kevin, Kevin Wackles, yeah. How he had claimed that Vince, you know, sexually assaulted him or pressured him or whatever. 
There's been no backup on that. There's been no corroboration. He was angry about payoff, right? I'm not saying he he lied, but what I'm saying is that it that sounds to me like one of those cases where it's somebody going, oh, people will believe this, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. I think that's a little bit of what happened even with um, with Pat Patterson when some of those things came down years ago. And superstar Billy Graham even apologized for this, where the thinking was, well, Pat is gay and everybody knows he's gay. And this was at a different time when a lot of people assumed that gay equals sexual deviant or sexual predator, predator or child he- yeah. child molester yeah. that I can accuse him of this because I'm bitter and people will believe it. And, and I think that it, it blew completely out of control. And, you know, so, cause it always, it always spoke volumes to me, how you had, you had Mel Phillips, you had Terry Garvin, you had Pat Patterson. Now, Terry Garvin and Mel Phillips went away. Goodbye. Gone. That didn't happen with Pat Patterson. And I think a big part of the reason why is that he wasn't guilty of the things that he was being accused of. Yeah. Do I think that do I think that maybe, you know, it was a different time and sometimes he might have gotten a little overzealous in how he used to like to tease or or ride other people and take advantage of the fact that they were uncomfortable of his being gay? I think sure. he did like to do that for kicks. I think he did. But that's a far cry from what he was being accused of doing and facilitating by some people. So I think like, I think that's probably a similar thing to that where it's like, just, I'm going to just say this crazy thing and we'll see who believes it, you know, because this guy is a guy that a lot of people think is the devil incarnate. So they'll believe it. (laughs) Ryan, we, um, we asked you this last time you were on, Um, we said that you might be the great hope in bringing Dave Meltzer and Jim Cornett together. How close are you with that? Oh, well, that's a, <laughs> only because <laughs> oh I've, boy, <laughs> I've been on both their shows. That's probably the only reason that you might even think that. Um, I don't think it's as bad as it may seem. I think it's one of those, you know, they always had a lot of respect for each other and they've always worked together a lot. They've known each other a long time. I think they have very divergent opinions on where the business is at today. Um, I wish that cooler heads could prevail. I, I don't know if I said this the last time I was here, but it's almost like when your mom and dad are fighting, and you just <laughs> you just want it to stop and get along because you love the both of them and you just want them to get along with each other. I don't know if that's possible. Um, I, I See, the thing about it with me is, I feel like the differences of opinion and their views on things, it shouldn't be enough to cause them to permanently dissolve their friendship or association with each other. That's what makes me sad about it was, was I think it's more like it's an emotional response rather than based on, because you know, everyone, I have wildly divergent views on wrestling from a lot of people that I get along with and trust and respect. I think it's one of those things where it just, it got out of hand and there's a lot of emotion involved and they're both very passionate people, especially Jim. I mean, Jim is, Jim is old school. And that's one of the reasons why I think I get along with him and I like him so much is because I grew up in, you know, in a very different world. You know, he's from the South. I grew up in New York city. I grew up amongst Uh, you know, Italian Americans, and we'll just say a lot of businesses that they were involved in and things like that in (laughs) in New York City. And I'm used to people who are passionate and who are old school 
and who will cut you off, you know, at the drop of a dime if they disagree with you and that kind of thing. And people who are larger than life, it doesn't phase me as much. That's why when people just go nuts about something or other that he said, like it's the end of the world or whatever, and I just don't fall for any of that. Uh, so I I I under I think I understand him in that way. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother me. And also it also helps that I happen to agree with a lot of what he says. But I think that I think that if they just put emotions aside, they could maybe patch it up one day. But I just don't know if that's possible. Sadly, maybe you could book them both onto your show, like and not tell <laughs> the other one, and just see how it goes. I'm having a I'm <laughs> gonna have a hard enough time getting Jim on my show. I want him to be. I told Brian this on the 50th episode. I want Jim to be the 100th episode. And I gave Brian enough notice. He's got 50 weeks to help me <laughs> to make it happen. Uh, I would love to have Dave on, but I think that'd have to be a separate show. <laughs> it's, uh, that would that would be fantastic. I mean, you, you say you're from New York. I've been seeing a lot of these good eating places that you've been posting up <laughs> pictures of, man, and you've been making me real jealous, Brian. Well, that, see, well, thank you. But I, I, yeah, I go back to Brooklyn a few times a year. That's where I'm originally from. And my family's all moved on from there and stuff. So I don't have as much reason to go back anymore. But the reason that I that I brought all that up, because I don't know if it sounds like a non sequitur to people, is I don't know how to put this. Okay, so I moved to Connecticut because of WWE, and I stayed there. Connecticut's a very different place from New York City. It's almost like the end of Goodfellas. You know, have you ever seen? If you've seen the movie Good, it's like where Henry Hill winds up, right? That's how I feel sometimes. So it's like <laughs> you come from this world where everybody's loud, opinionated. They're pissed off half the time about something that's not even that important or like <laughs> when they're happy they're like incredibly happy when they're upset they're like you know i've been to funerals where like the stereotype like people throwing themselves on the casket and that kind of thing they feel things very deeply that's what i'm used to and then you go to a place like connecticut which i think represents most of the united states it's a much more even keel you know kind of like it's more of that midwest thing where it's like everything's very you know like i and that's not the world I came up in. I look at some of the other, sometimes the other parents or the other dads and things, and I just think like, wow, I'm very, very different from any of these people. <laughs> They're just not the same as me. This guy's like a dad on a TV sitcom or something. And I feel like I'm like this weird cross between like Larry David, Woody Allen, and like James Kahn. So like, how am I getting along with these people? So what I mean is I tend to get along with people who are that way, so, who are strongly opinionated, who are, you know, who can get loud, who can get angry, but you know, when they mean it, when they don't mean it, it's just, and a lot of people in the wrestling business are like that. It's like, like I said on Brian, the interview I did with Brian, if you went in a wrestling locker room, especially in the eighties or nineties, I guarantee you, Jim Cornette would have been one of the most grounded, rational, calm thinking people in that entire locker room. You guys know what I mean. He would have been looked at as the voice of reason. So sometimes when people fly off the handle about things he says or just go crazy and want it to be like, you know, burned at the stake, I just think, I don't know, they're just in a completely different mindset from me. Maybe they haven't spent a lot of time around wrestling people. Maybe they haven't spent a lot of time in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, or or in Louisville, Kentucky, because, you know, I feel like Jim is like the Southern equivalent 
of those guys I knew in New York, those opinionated guys who could really get worked up. But you knew at the end of the day, like, okay, it's not, we're not going to like, I'm not going to like cut off ties with you because of this. You know, I feel like a little perspective is needed. And I think growing up the way I did, and maybe that's why Brian gets along with him so well too, because Brian grew up in New York too. Growing up the way we did, I think you just have a better understanding of that personality trait. Mate, I'm I'm Greek, so I know exactly about hot-headedness <laughs> and, uh, you know, being very animated in your opinions and being very opinionated. I, too, have been at funerals where people have been yelling and screaming over, over caskets. So, well, you guys is... break the plates and everything, yeah, so you know man, what I'm talking a, about. Yeah, it's amazing. That's why I was kind of jealous when I saw you at that Greek bakery kind of cafe place, dude, the other day. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. So you're you're Greek, but where are you? Where do you live? Oh, I live in the UK. I live in, in the near UK. London. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But um, my family's Greek Cypriot, so we're. Uh... If you if you ever get to New York, you should go there. Not yeah. it's it's called. I'll give them a free plug. It's called Ammonia. Ammonia. They've been there, yeah. They've been there since the seventies. It is the real deal. I mean, it is like it's it's fantastic place to there's go. A, there's for... a football team in in Cyprus called Ammonia. That's why when go. I saw you were there, it was Ammonia Nicosia. You know, you must know Ammonia, man. You've been in the Champions League, uh, Jordan. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, dude, that has to be a Greek place. It's called Ammonia, man. Come on. Yep. <laughs> yep, it is. It's great. I love it. Amazing. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, one more question I just wanted to sneak in about Vince. Um, sure. The immediate family around him. So you've mentioned Shane. We've got Stephanie. But what about his estranged wife or wife? You know, where is where is um where is she in, in all of this? Or is she just completely distanced herself away from everything WWE right now? This is something that, uh, again, I also said in the Vince doc, which they cut. Um, right. Just for time, I think. I mean, look, I was in that thing more than anybody, which shocked me more than anybody else. I thought maybe I'd be in it for two minutes. We loved it. But, we loved every moment. Well, I don't. On I don't flatter myself. I think it was probably because all the famous people turned them down, and <laughs> they were like, "What are we going to put on this thing?" Jericho said no. Bischoff said no. CM Punk said no. You know, all right, the Solomon guy. But one thing that I said. <laughs> One thing I said on there that was cut was I do think that they have one of those relationships that over here is similar to like a Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton relationship where it's like they're they're still married, but not really like like they're they've gone their separate ways. There's been a lot of water under the bridge. Bill did a lot of shit. And I think Vince did a lot of shit. Uh, you know, Hillary had to put up with a lot. Linda had to put up with a lot. And I think it's one of, but at the same time, for appearances sake, for the sake of their careers and having to work together, um, they continue with business as usual. They live their separate lives. They don't officially get divorced. You know, Linda has her whole political career now, but I don't think she has any involvement at all. She has like something like 2% of the voting share or something still, which is more than Shane has because he sold everything. But, you know, I think that's her stand right now. Like there was that interview recently, right? Where somebody accosted her yeah. and asked her about this. And she was just like, Vince can basically said, Vince could deal with that on his own. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about that. That's Vince's problem. I think she is, she has ridden off into the sunset. 
Um, that kind of thing happens sometimes in these high-powered relationships. Another great example, and this probably makes a lot of people scratch their heads, but um, The Rock and Danny Garcia, I mean, um, their relationship, his his ex-wife, is very similar in that they're, 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 the only difference is they actually went through with the divorce. But I mean, they're still business partners. They still are hooked up with each other in financial ways. For whatever personal reasons, they decided this marriage isn't working, but we're still going to work with each other. And she has been his business partner, his production partner um, ever since. They've been divorced for like 20 years now. So, I mean, that sometimes happens when there's a lot of money to be made and there's a lot of prestige on the line and things on the line. Sometimes these couples, that's what happens. And I think that's what's happened with Vince and Linda. Could, could alimony be an issue? I don't know. You know, without having um, an understanding fully of those laws, I think that alimony is also dependent on the need of the spouse. Right. So I don't even know if she would have a case because I think she's so independently wealthy. Because one of the things about alimony is this phrase that they always use of, the need to maintain the lifestyle to which you are accustomed, accustomed right? To. Yeah. And they would have to prove that she would not be able to maintain that life being divorced from Vince. And I just don't think that's true. So I don't know if it's an alimony situation. I really do think it's just not wanting to drag their names through the mud and have one other big, crazy tabloid TMZ circus going on in the middle of everything. They just don't see the benefit of it. I mean, look, I know people who have basically done that, who aren't even famous people, who are just everyday people who have said, you know, marriage isn't working out. How about like, I just live here, you live there. And, you know, we have separate bank accounts and we just leave it at that without having to go through the whole craziness and putting ourselves through this. We'll just figure out another way. And we're still legally married, but we're not really married in our minds. Like I've known people who have done that. And they're, like I said, not even rich and famous. So that's what, you know, I think is going on here more than anything. Just, just not wanting to be bothered. Hey, that's a, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Sorry, Chris, you got something. No, sorry, dude. I've just, something just, when, when you spoke about bank accounts, um, something else that's happened in the wrestling world that I think you may have, um, obviously opinions on um someone uh recently on a media scrum spoke about someone sharing a bank account with their mother um mr cm punk um what are your thoughts on cm punk is he going to come back to aew is he going to go to wwe um what are your thoughts on that situation while we've got you on man we might as well chew your ear about that well, what I've said about punk is that it, you know I think it's very complicated and I know people like to take sides and sometimes it's not as easy as taking a side like I sympathize with a lot of the reasons he had to be pissed. I'm sorry with a lot of the reasons that he had to be pissed off I sympathize with hmm. um I don't think it's a picnic <laughs> doing business with the young bucks and Kenny Omega and wrestler EVPs I don't think that was fun and I think some of the criticisms that he had of Adam Page were justified as well. Right. I think the way he went about uh, it was unprofessional. 
uh, airing the dirty laundry at a media scrum like that with the owner of the company sitting right next to you is not the ideal way to go about it. However, you know, some people have pointed out to me, like even even Jim pointed out to me that clearly this wasn't the first time those issues must have come up. Like there had to have been heated arguments and debates going on backstage. And this was like everything bubbling up. And I understand that. I still think there's got to be a better way to do business because that, you know, punk, that's his personality. He is a very strong-minded, strong-willed person who doesn't handle uh, being slighted very well. It's hard to exist in the wrestling business that way. I think that's also what caused his WWE career to implode. The same thing of like getting tired of what he saw as the bullshit, dealing with Vince, dealing with Hunter, just sick of it. Uh, Some of it, maybe an overinflated view of his own value and importance when you go, okay, well, I've got to be in the main event of WrestleMania. And the main event is like Cena and the rock. Like, okay, you know, maybe you should rein it in a little bit, but I think the way that he had went about it, not the best way, but like I said, I can relate to the frustration because this is somebody who is used to doing business at the highest level. He knows what it's like to draw money. He knows what it's like to, you know, be a top player for the biggest company there is. So sometimes it probably seemed like amateur hour to him. Um, I do think that it's uh, anything's possible in terms of where he turns up. The smartest thing in the world would be for everybody to bury their differences, to remember that this is wrestling and our job here is to make money. The smartest thing would be to go back and Mm -hmm. to use it. Use it. I mean, you want to talk about a way to return AEW's momentum, get people talking again. Do that because that there, then you're talking about a situation similar to what happened with Vince after the Montreal screw job, where they said, you know what? We're going to turn this into money. We're going to turn this situation around. People think Vince is garbage. We're going to lean into that. <laughs> People now know he's the owner of the company. We're going to lean into that. <clears throat> I think that's what should be done. I don't know if they're going to go ahead and do it. I know there's been rumblings about it. As far as him going to WWE, I think that's also a possibility because um, for anyone that doubted that it would be, which would have included me, the fact that in his negotiations with the buyout of his contract with AEW, one of the sticking points has been the non-compete clause, you know, that he wanted, apparently wanted removed or changed in some way. Now, what do you think that non-compete refers to? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a William Regal type of thing. So if he didn't care about going back there, he would have just said, yeah, fine, whatever you want, non-compete, whatever. As long as it gets me out of this company, buy out my contract. The fact that he was like, wait a minute, hold on, hold the phone. Um, I can't work for WWE for X amount of years. I'm not thrilled about that. The fact that he would have entertained that thought shows clearly that he's that it's a possibility. That's another thing that would be the smartest thing in the world. I don't know with everything with Vince now, who the hell knows, but when Hunter was running it fully and Stephanie and all that stuff, if I were them again, that would have been the no brainer. I mean, that would have made Cody coming back look like nothing. I mean, that's how you rip the guts out of your competition. You grab that guy 
And now he's back with you again. Even if it's just for one angle or a WrestleMania match or something, it's a statement. The statement of we can take any of your guys that we want at any time. If we got CM Punk, we could get anybody that's there. So, I mean, like, it would be in everyone's best interest to get him no matter where he winds up. Where are you on the no-compete clauses? I mean, I, I'm a small fish in a in a massive pond where I work. And when football players contracts expire they can just go and do what they want they can sign for whoever they want there is no no compete clauses in football or soccer contracts when they end like that's it like even if there's a buyout that they're buy they're bought out they can just go and play for whoever they want after that like i think it's a little bit hokey that these things still exist especially in wrestling people should be allowed to make money off themselves right i've never been comfortable with the idea of non-compete clauses, they happen in all fields. It's not just, you know, public figures. I I had to sign something like that when I left WWE, but here's the thing. I don't know how they all work, but in a lot of cases, they're voluntary. So they dangle a carrot over your head. So it's like, okay, you don't want to sign the non-compete clause. Well, then you're not going to get any of your severance. You're not going to get this, that, or the other thing that's voluntary upon us unless you sign. Like, you know, uh, um, that's happened to me, not even just at WWE, but other companies that I've left where it's like, we're going to pay you, like, we're going to give you like three months pay or whatever the the six months of pay, but we're not required to do that, right? (laughs) We're not required. So like, we'll, we'll invoke our prerogative not to do that unless you sign this paper right here. And so all of that stuff has always seemed a little shady to me and certainly, benefiting only the company and not the individuals so it does seem like something that is wide open for being you know kind of having holes blown in it as far as how kosher it is to even do that to people so i'd like to see them go away honestly i mean look because here think about it there's no i don't even know how you can defend this from the other side because it's like the main reason let, let's just look at wrestling. The main reason WWE would say we don't want we want, you know, we don't want somebody to to go to AEW is just like that's their whole argument. Well, why do you want this person to sign this non-complete? Why is it so important? Well, because we don't want them to go to work for our competition right away. And then the response to that should be, well, too bad. Like, you know, that's too bad that mm. they have every right to do that. Like, of course, you don't want them to go immediately work for the competition but you shouldn't be able to control what they do once they're not working for you anymore tough shit i mean they're gonna go work for the competition like in order to prevent them from doing that i feel like you're stepping over a line in terms of dictating to people what their career choices would be that just that just feels wrong to me i mean yes any company is going to have sour grapes this person that has had all this exposure here is now going to work for somebody else and they might reveal our secrets. They might do this. They might do that. That's life. That's the cost of doing business. You can't just restrict other people's lives to protect your own interests and not expect there to be any repercussions or anybody kind of like curtailing your ability to do that. So I would totally understand if those kind of laws went away. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever 
it, I think it's become a bit of tit for tat between AEW and WWE because I think both sides are doing it now as like a bit of to spite each other. But I think in doing that, they're kind of cutting their nose off to spite their face because in in when they're missing out with one, they're they're missing. You know, they're kind the of regal one's absurd. Yes, like, I mean, so I, I thought that was crazy. I don't know how legit that is that he's not allowed to be seen on TV until twenty twenty four. Is that right or something like that? Twenty twenty four. Yeah. Nuts. Well, look. From, from Tony Khan's point of view, that was a very, I feel like, a very humiliating thing that happened. So he was trying to assert his authority. It was a situation where you had somebody who basically flat out is going, my best friend is now running the company, so I want to go back. I mean, I know he talked about his son and this or that, and fine. But essentially what it boils down to is I got fired because my best friend lost power. Now my best friend is back in power, so I want to go back. And Tony Khan went went ahead and because he seems like a nice guy, certainly a nicer guy than Vince McMahon. He seemed like a nice guy. He let him do it. And then he felt like he got burned because Triple H had to do like a victory dance, like and post this stupid video of William Regal and doing his whole like war games thing and it's like come on man like this guy is giving you a break he doesn't have to let regal go you know i i I felt for tony khan there so yeah that's a situation of tony saying you know what i I, i'm being the nice guy here and and these guys are acting like assholes so so i i have to also protect my interest here because think about it. it also sends a message in the sense that now everyone is going to be like, oh, I want to go back too. Me too. Can I do that too? Everybody. So it's him trying to say, well, I have to control this. So so he put that in there. Now, in a world where non-competes don't exist anymore, right, he wouldn't be able to put that in there. That would change the whole landscape because I think if if he didn't have the ability to put that video or whatever it is, non-compete in there as talent, he wouldn't have agreed to letting him go. Regal would still be there now. He'd probably just be sitting home, waiting out his contract to run out. He would not have let him go unconditionally. So do I think that non-compete should go away? Yes. But I think that is going to change the entire dynamics of how these companies do business uh, if and when they do go away. But it's funny because um, uh, Regal came out and said that WWE just said, look, yeah, fine, man. You can, there's no, no compete. Just go and do what you got to do kind of thing. That's why it was a little, but they did kind of do like the, ah, kind of. Yes, they, did. <laughs> they did. I think that was, he mentioned that specifically Tony Khan. You could tell he was upset about it. He it mentioned him it off, yeah. in an interview. He has learned this a few times. He learned it with the Billy Gunn situation with, you know, the DX reunion and all this. He, he sometimes comes off as a little naive. He's a wrestling fan. He's a younger guy. He doesn't, he's not a sociopath. So, so I think like sometimes he gets burned. He's very genuine. When he first came in, it's like he had this attitude of like, yeah, we could be all be friends. And maybe me and us and WWE could work together and the forbidden door. And sure. You could have Jericho on Austin's podcast, go have a ball. And I think he got burned a few times, and now he thinks twice before doing things like that. He's a pro with that cough button, isn't he? 
<laughs> I have my own show. I know how to do it. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm recovering from a cold, so I'm coughing like every uh, minute or two. Man, you've been spot on with the muting, man. You've been yeah. fantastic. Perfect. Um, <laughs> we know you don't have like a lot of time left with us today. Um, yeah. What What's next? What's What's next for you? Like, what else have you got coming up on the podcast? And you know, well, I've I've the I don't know when this is gonna go up but i've got a lot of cool guests coming up on the podcast i just had carmine despirito as a guest people that are involved with cauliflower alley club know him well i've got mike chapman coming up who's a really fascinating wrestling historian uh barbara goodish who's the widow of bruiser brody she's going to be on wow. um so there's always um I'm always working on getting people that I think people will be interested and people that I have a good relationship with. So, you know, it's, it's relatively simple for me to contact them and say, Hey, do you want to be on? I'm going to keep having some of those WWE insiders on people that used to work for the company. Everybody loves when I have those kind of shows. I've got the next wrestling book. Like I said, I really wish I could give you guys the scoop and announce it here, but I'm still on pins and needles waiting for that contract. So Hopefully soon, like I said, it will be a, a biography of a wrestler, of a very important wrestler who's never had a book done about them, uh, and who I think I think people are going to respond very positively um, to. So, other than that, I mean, I've got in April, Blood and Fire is getting recognized in this by the Library of Michigan with an award. So yes. I'm going to be going out to Michigan to accept that. That's pretty cool. I've never really gotten an award like that before. Hoping maybe I could win the book of the year in the wrestling observer newsletter who know although i think that's brian gewertz's award this year but we'll see <laughs> um other than you know i'm just plowing ahead pro wrestling illustrated inside the ropes doing all the, the stuff that i love to do yes that's incredible that's that's great um brian we thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to a couple of jabronis like us uh, chris Mate, I, yeah, thrilled to have Brian on every single time. Like I say, I could probably sit and talk with Brian for like a gazillion oh, yeah. hours about a whole heap of shit, but um, he's a very busy man now, and rightly so, because he's extremely interesting, extremely knowledgeable, um, puts his points across extremely well, a great writer, um, a great pod, uh, podcast host, and um, we are grateful that we've been able to... Uh, get you on again and we all we can do is just say thank you brian because it's always a pleasure to have you on well thank you for having me like as if you as you guys can see i i never get tired of talking about wrestling if i didn't have uh, an appointment i would i would probably go for another hour or two i love <laughs> this stuff and i could you know even with my voice going i don't care so you know thanks for giving me a chance to talk about this i feel like this was like a chance to say a few of the things that actually got left on the cutting room floor for the Vince documentary. So it's a nice little supplement to that. So thank you guys. That's Amazing. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, maybe, maybe we'll talk about something, maybe get, get you back on in the summer, you know, who knows WWE might've been sold by then. So you never know. It's moving fast these days. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. We really All appreciate right, guys. it. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks, Take man. Care. Andrew. Take care, dude. Well, there you have it. Amazing. I love Another, Brian. I think yeah. he's fantastic, mate. What a I think, guest. you know, he, he's just a lovely guy. Very, very down to earth, very knowledgeable. Um, you know, just a bloody great guy, isn't he? Just good, yeah. good guy. Brilliant. Um, great guy to have on. Yeah. So, with that, we have to thank him for giving us the time again. Just a couple of J bros from, from the UK doing our thing. Uh, 
He's an important. He's an important guest as well, bruv. Like we can't understate. This is Brian R. Solomon. Like there's not a lot that he has hasn't done in in the wrestling business. Bar put on some fucking spandex and take slams in the ring. Like that's the only thing missing from it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Brian. Maybe that's what you could do next as well, man. Maybe you could sharpen sharpen the rumble or something. Sharpen the rumble. (laughs) Surprise entrant. You know, Brian R. Solomon come running down there. That'd be great. So, before we go. Uh, what is it? Yes, that's right. As always, January. We're still in January. You got to renew your VPN. You got to. Why haven't you done it yet? Yeah. Um, right. Our good friend Domas at Surfshark insists that you use this deal. Eighty-three percent off plus three free months and antivirus software. What more can you With ask? Surfshark. Yeah. What? Yeah. Using the, using devices. the code. Yeah. On the video, wherever it is, or underneath in the description, the link will be yeah. there. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Just click it. Click the link, man. Go to the link in the description. Click on the link. Use the promo code GRAPPLE. You will click, get... 80... Click the ting. Click the ting, mate. You know what I mean? So you get 83% off, three free months, and you're getting your VPN, you're getting antivirus software, you're getting full online protection. Um, You know, absolutely fantastic product. Surfshark. Go to the link in the description, click on the link, use the promo code GRAPPLE. And I insist on this one. We have to thank the wonderful people of Ireland, as always, because for whatever reason, you push us up the charts. The Irish Apple Wrestling Podcast charts. Why? Why do you do it? Bro, who was it you were (laughs) telling me the other day that we're actually above so many people like that are fucking great? In the Irish podcast, yeah, we for some reason we were above the Steve Austin show, Taylor Wilde. You know, I, that's the only two I can remember off the top of my head. But Steve yeah, no, I was thinking it's, it's absolutely insane. Ireland, what are you thinking? But yeah. thank you. <laughs> we absolutely love you for that. We can't, we can't thank you guys enough for pushing us and keeping us relevant. Like it's, I mean, it is odd, but I mean, we just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, like if you like it, we'll keep doing it. Like, don't stop. Please don't stop. Keep 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 us up there. Keep liking. Keep subscribing. Keep giving us reviews. Keep sharing on social media. Even if you just share the link of the YouTube, share the link of a, a, a one of our podcasts. It really does help us. It costs nothing. It's the click of a button. That's all it is. It's just the flick of a bean. And, you know, all you got to do, and it costs nothing, but it really does help us out, man. So please keep doing that. And if you haven't been doing it, fucking start doing it. Slap Chris's bell for us. Slap it, son. Slap it. Slap it real good. Um, we've we've managed to reference your genitalia once again on this once show. Once again. Yeah, I don't know how we keep doing this. <laughs> how we keep getting away with it. But <laughs> fuck yeah. I mean, that was, a, that was a great episode, man. Really enjoyed that. And to be honest, that is a, there's a lot of good information there about the situation Very good going information. on right now. Um, if you don't like our faces, if you're not watching the video and you're listening, or if you just you are watching our faces and want to find out where to listen, you know, Chris knows exactly where you can find us. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Deezer, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, every single podcast platform available. We are on there. Please go on there. Find us. Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops Podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, we we will be back, but we haven't 
as always, we don't always have a plan, but this has been a bumper January, let's be honest. It's been filled oh. with all sorts. I'm sure there'll be more news about everything and anything. I'm sure the rumble will spring up one or two surprises. Yeah. Hell, we might even sneak a review in. You know, oh, we are, we are so. chatting to people to get some guests on. You know, it is always Mate, the, the way. we've got some things in the pipeline. I'm still trying to get... There's one, there's one wrestler that we are trying to get on right now, and... If we can get him on, I'll be really happy. I think we'll be happy, won't we, if we can get him on because we've seen him a couple of times live. We've watched him. Be very um, good. you know, so we we're we're looking to get him on. But um yeah, that we like I say, we never know what's gonna happen, but we never say never. We we it could be this, could be that, could be a a guest could pop up again, but you have had a bumper January. What more do you fucking want? Yeah, you know we I mean? really hope you've enjoyed this like this month's content and you know all the all the crazy shit that's come with it. I mean, hell, keep looking on YouTube because there might be a short there knocking around, like a new one. I'll find absolutely. I got baby. I got tons of stuff lined up on my phone to just get like. <laughs> I need to start putting them out there. Um, yeah, dude. So with that, we will see you soon. We don't know when, but we will. You know, we always have something going on. So for absolutely. now, it's me, it's JB, and it's it's the Raz Prince of wrestling podcasts, the best Chris in all of wrestling podcasts, you know, <laughs> you like the movies of Jude Law. That's right. <laughs> um, we thank you. We will see you soon. Take care, everyone. Peace.